Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. My name is Alex Adams, and I am joined by Maddie Ireland of the Canada Hoops Podcast, and we're discussing a nail-biting loss for the Canadian women's national basketball team, 60-55 against Spain. Uh, the Canadians had a chance to to put themselves on a, on a nice plane ticket to Paris with a win, and unfortunately, late in the fourth quarter, they somewhat collapsed and scored in the last 4.44 of the the game uh, going into uh, the next game, which will be Sunday at, at 9 a.m. against Japan in uh, the group of death. Uh, all the teams are one, one and one with Hungary and, and Spain as well. Canada with a win makes the Olympics. If they lose, it gets a bit more tricky, but uh, I'm really happy to be joined by Maddie Ireland, someone that knows some players on the, the women's national team and has interviewed them on the podcast. So thanks so much for, for doing this, Maddie. How are you? I'm great, Alex. It's always good to to get a chance to chat with you and, and uh, connect, and especially obviously uh, getting an opportunity to talk Canada basketball, and this time on the women's side, which is uh, kind of neat and special, and an opportunity to you know show them love too, and um, you know give them their due for you know a uh, a tough tournament, maybe in a way so far, one and one record, like you said, and I know um, you know handily kind of beat Hungary in the first game and uh, showed a lot of uh, really great stuff. And then, yeah, the, the the game today against Spain, you know, frustration, I think, for everyone involved. I know some of the players, I just had a quick message with them um, this afternoon. And, you know, just, just, yeah, just disappointment, obviously, just, uh, but just trying to show support for the team. And I think they definitely wanted a, a better result and, felt like they had a, a real chance to kind of win it but uh hey man they, we live another day there's a big game on sunday and uh you know this is a, a big moment for the the program and an opportunity and uh, i think everyone's ready to to embrace that and try to get a w and, and the good thing about that is i mentioned in the opener is that they do have it's in, it's in their hands they control their own destiny they win they're in japan's a pretty good team but last time they played each other was i think 2020 two sorry at the FIBA Women's World Cup Canada won pretty handily there was a Kia nurse we don't have a Kia nurse right now just because she's out with injury but overall I think Canada probably is the favorite in that matchup against Japan um, Spain on paper would have been Canada's hardest matchup and, and Canada easily could have won that game a lot of things went wrong um, you know Bridget Carlton went one of 13 from the floor I doubt she does that again and you only lose by five so uh, it's obviously a setback. And, and the the problem really has been that the out-of-town scoreboard, as we say, has gone the wrong way, right? You would have liked Spain to have won both their games, uh, being in Japan. You would have liked Japan to beat Hungary, um, uh, who was probably the, the weakest team heading into this tournament. So the problem is now everyone's one and one and one, and uh, there's still a good chance that Canada makes it out. And, and just so to give people a little bit of info is just that obviously, as I said, Canada wins, they're in, if they lose and Hungary wins against Spain, they're out of the Olympics, which is pretty hard to hear like right. that. But if uh, Spain wins against Hungary, it actually doesn't matter if Canada wins or loses against Japan, they're in. Um, but obviously Canada plays the early game and that could affect the later game. If, uh, Canada were to lose, I believe Spain would have made the Olympics, but Hungary might not. So it might affect 
how motivated the teams are, but regardless, it's in their hands. They can they can take themselves to to Paris, and I still feel pretty confident in in the group. But it, this really reminds me of Spain versus Canada, ironically, in the men's side, where there's this little blip, and you realize, oh my god, if Canada doesn't win, they might not make the uh, Olympics, and you're like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. So I feel a little bit of that same tension that I did uh, last summer. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because we feel like uh, maybe we're starting to have this tie. Canada basketball as a federation is starting to have this tie to Spain as well. And, you know, they're a very proud program, both both sides, men and women. And, uh, you know, we have Victor on the women's side, head coach, and, and Jordy on the men's side, head coach, and both from Spain. And, um, you know, listen, this game today gives Spain a lot of credit, right? Like this, this was a, a good team. That they uh, they have the number four in the world and they're they're a proud program like I said and they needed to win today they were hungry for that win after losing their first game of the tournament to Japan ironically who uh, Canada needs to beat on Sunday and uh, I agree with you I think Canada should feel pretty good in this matchup against Japan they had an exhibition game last uh, year in Victoria prior to the FIBA America Cup now Canada had a, a bit of a different roster. at that uh, exhibition game as well. There was a lot of the younger junior level players participating. Uh, I believe Japan's roster is relatively the same. Um, but I think, you know, take care of their own business on Sunday against Japan, like you said. And and they do that by keeping Japan off the three-point line and, and not let them cook from the outside. That's their, their real strength. And that was why they beat Spain in their first game. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is... Kind of a weird look for the senior women's national team. Like obviously Kia not being available, Kia Nurse uh, is is different. And there was, uh, I think, some surprise with that. When the tournament got started, a lot of us were kind of like, wow, you know, on, on X.com. But, uh, you know, you look at Bridget Carlton, uh, she was going to be the one to really carry a, a load offensively and, and play well in that first game, but didn't shoot well today. And uh, I can't see BC doing that again. like you said. So yeah, hopefully we, we get a good look on, on Sunday and uh, see some, some more consistency and keep the turnovers down and uh, transition opportunities. Like they weren't really available today in Spain. So I'd like to see those uh, increase against Japan for sure. Yeah, like you talk about the turnovers and uh, that was the biggest problem. Canada had 19 turnovers in 20, 40 minutes, which is almost impossible uh, to have a turnover every two minutes. But Canada did that and uh, both Shake Hawley and Naira Fields, I, who I thought just, you know, you saw some nice glimpses from them, some ISO plays. I thought Fields was okay, but they both had seven turnovers each. And, and I think that's where you noticed Kia Nurse's absences in, in the fact that you don't have that player that can create her own shot to the same degree as those players. You know, she was a former WNBA all-star, um, really good at getting to the paint, kicking as well. And um, that's what you really saw with candidates. I think they only had six assists today and that's just not enough. Right. And give credit to Spain. They were great. First quarter, you go on this little 11-0 run and they're forcing Canada. They're putting a lot of pressure on the ball. Uh, forcing turnovers, and Canada kind of wilted. But as the game went on, you saw Canada take advantage maybe of their more their athleticism, get a little bit in transition, and just really play really good defense. And I thought 
they had moments where their defense wasn't great, uh, obviously, to start the game. But for the most part, their defense was there throughout the game. They held Spain to only nine points in the third quarter, which was part of their their run. And so that's the one thing I've liked with their team is you can't always control your offense, but your defense is a lot about effort and communication, which you really can control. And they've limited their opponents to about 57 points a game, which should be good enough. I think Japan might be the best offense in the tournament. Um, so that'll be obviously more of a challenge as you alluded to with their three point shooting. And um, that's what got them to a silver medal in the 2020 Olympics back home in Tokyo for the Japanese women. But overall, Canada, I just, I, as you said about BC and Bridget Carlton, she's six of 28 in her first two games. I, I, I don't imagine that continues. And I saw La Pena talked about how he felt the refs didn't give her the call she deserved. I probably would agree with him on that. She got maybe a bit hard done by. So um, overall, uh, it's worrisome, but you lose by five points, you're up late against the fourth place team in the world. I, it's a bit bittersweet, especially with what's happened elsewhere. But overall, you can't be, it's not as though you think come out of this game and say, oh my God, what they've fallen apart. Uh, what's wrong with this team? Which if you felt that way, I think I'd be a bit more worried going into Sunday, but um, I wouldn't say that. So what what players maybe stood out for you in the game, the first two games? Well, like the defensive energy and, you know, commitment really drives a lot of this team. And, and it has really since Victor LaPena has been the head coach. I mean, that was why, um, you know, his first major tournament in the World Cup in, in 2022, that is why the team finished fourth, you know, and had, you know, they had to play the home Australia side in the bronze. But, um, you know, Bridget Carlton was a tournament all-star. Um, and defensively, they were really, really good. And um, that, I feel, is why, you know, they can get back into a game the way they did against Spain today. Um, they're going to need that, obviously, against Japan. Japan is a quick team. You know, I think in the first two games, like, obviously, Kayla Alexander has stood out two double-doubles back-to-back. She's just been really dominant. She just eats the glass, seems to get her, her hands on loose balls and deflections and, uh, easy put backs. I mean, she's just been so steady. Um, you know, she's got a great story too. Just kind of, you know, didn't make the national team at the first, first couple tries. And now it's just really kind of come into her own and knows kind of how to really compete and, and, um, kind of owns her role. And she's just, uh, such a great vet, but, uh, you know, and then the other thing too, like, when they've made runs, Alex, and gotten back in the games or pushed ahead against Hungary, you know, the vets have played a lot of minutes. I'm not worried about that, but it's it's been interesting to watch where clearly without Kia, you know, Victor's relied on the veterans and the starters. Uh, you know, we've seen strong minutes from Sila Swords, which yeah. has been impre impressive, and I know everyone loves that. And, you know, listen, if you follow... Uh, Canada basketball is a program, and especially the women's side. You, you know who Sila is, and um, you know she's a an awesome player at a young age, and uh, it's been nice to see her contribution. Um, I'd actually like to see a little more minutes for Sammy Hill because I think she just creates a lot of you know havoc out there, little um, problems on defense, and she's quick with the ball. Um, 
when she was getting minutes versus Hungary, I felt like she was creating some transition opportunities. So, uh, listen, I'm not the coach, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, the lack of Kia at first when that first broke in terms of the news, I was like, well, okay, you know, this is a pretty veteran group. Uh, you know, everyone's calling it the group of death for this tournament. I wasn't totally sure about that, but um, there's been situations like we've kind of hinted at where Kia probably makes a difference and and helps in situations. And if you look at the turnovers today too, some of them are just the players slipping. Like I had a quick message with with one of the players, just you know, she was kind of hinting at the decals, like that FIBA, well, you know, ins- insists on using and. These stickers are just notoriously slippery and kind of basketball has a history with this. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's frustration. I mean, those are turnovers that you just can't yeah. account for. And, you know. Yeah, no, I Go just ahead. think of the Bridget Carlton. I think it was in the first quarter, first half at least. And she slipped on the deck underneath the basket. And it was like, just so obvious that it was just because of that marker wasn't anything else. Was right, right in the middle, and you you know obviously Kelly Olynyk that happened to him back in the day, um, forced him out of the 2019 World Cup. So uh, not something you like to see, and and I wish FIBA didn't need the ad money to to put those in there, but um, definitely I, I would say also give credit a lot of credit to Spain. They were really smart, and that's what you expect from a Spanish team. But they were really smart at pressing when to double, um, and really forced I think. Shea Colley and, and Naira Fields to really have to create. And I wouldn't say those are their greatest strengths. And and I think that's what this team, even with Nurse, is probably what they lack a little bit is that that passing um, ability, not a lot of playmakers on the floor, a lot of good players one-on-one. And you could see Canada would w- score points a lot through just taking advantage of my- matchups. But it was a lot of hard buckets while Spain were getting them pretty easily off pick and rolls, Spain pick and rolls, uh, cuts off the ball, um, getting much better shots. And um, I mean, Canada was playing pretty well defensively, but also probably having a tougher job in terms of what they had to defend compared to Spain, who was very coy in how they uh, attacked the Canadian offense in a way on on defense. So um, overall, I'm not too worried. It's just, again, really sucks that the position they're in because if uh, Hungary had lost, Canada would almost for sure have made the Olympics because of a point differential between Hungary and Canada and even Japan or Spain if there had been a tie. Um, but unfortunately, that won't be the case. So uh, so it just sucks that that's how it happened. But hey, um, I, I still try, I still believe in this team and um, I'm still not too, too worried because I think Spain really stepped it up after a poor performance against Japan. And it's kind of weird sometimes in basketball when you have teams that are so equally matched, which I really think in this group to an extent are different teams are better against different, like other teams, even though you could say on paper, they're different, even though maybe the matchups just are more advantageous. And I really think for Canada against Japan, where there's a bit less physicality, the, I think probably the differences in athleticism are much more stark than the other two teams. They can take advantage of that in a better way than they could against Spain, who's so smart and still big and decently athletic. Uh, not that Japan doesn't have um, athletes, but it's just a different team, a shorter team. Um, 
And I think Canada, with their defense, if they can shut down Spain or uh, Japan, sorry, should be able to get a bit more easy points than they did against Hungary and, and Spain that are probably better defenses overall. Yeah, matchup versus Japan is where you look at, you know, Kayla to obviously have another big game. And I think Natalie, Natalie John was going to need to be key. And, um, you know, Leticia, Amy here, uh, you know, showed real good minutes off the bench today. There's another opportunity for her. She's super athletic and can get to the rim on teams and uh, good on the glass. So I think look look for the, the bigs and the forwards to, you know, impose their will against Japan. I think that's going to be key. And uh, I feel like, you know, Bridget's going to get some looks too uh, from the wing and, you know, and, and those are your bets, right? And so that's what we've talked about. And, you know, what, what I noticed with Spain today too, and I think, you know, I got to figure and assume this is what the coaching staff is going to look at too for Canada. But um, a lot of Spain's offense to me, like their spacing just, kind of naturally happen and naturally flow. They had really good spacing in their opportunities today. And I feel like on our end for Canada, like it was just, we just had to really work at it. It just wasn't there. There were situations where, where Natalie or Kayla would be in the high post at the elbow and they tried to run some things off that, but there was just no spacing. Uh, there was frustration with that and that led to some turnovers. And that was like stark differences for both teams that I noticed. So, I, w- I would figure that Victor and, and Carly and the rest of the staff, Noel, are going to look at this and say, okay, how, how do we make this happen? And against a team like Japan, I feel like that is there. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, winning in and, and it was what it's come down to. And obviously, you know, there's been so much talk with the program, you know, and those that watch it and follow it and support it, like the men are in and we want to see the women there and have both sides uh, as, a, as a big uh, – contingent go and, and celebration and uh you know i think you know the luxury of the continuity and, and commitment that the senior women's national team has shown throughout competitions like this is where it comes into play like this is a consistent group that had played together a lot um this is where they gotta really show it on sunday against japan and you know without being too much of a homer like i'm still confident uh and obviously i have a connection to a lot of the players and I'm fortunate to know them in a sense through uh, the podcast, but uh, you know, the support is there and I, I think the vibes are still high. And uh, I was texting with uh, Michael Bartlett a little bit too. And he's, he's echoing the same thing. Like, yeah. you know, they still, they still feel good and the program feels good and why not? Right. You still got to believe and compete. And uh, it, it's one in one. And if you would have looked at the start of this tournament with four teams and top three go, uh, you're like, yeah, this, I don't want to say is cakewalk, but um, you still feel pretty good about your chances. And if it comes down to the game on Sunday, so be it. Yeah, no, I mean, heading into the tournament, if you said they were one and one and they had beat Hungary and lost to Spain, you'd think, okay, well, it hasn't been perfect, but it's been okay. It's been jobs done. They did what they mostly needed to do. It's just, as I said, elsewhere. What, what do you think, I guess, I guess there's two parts of this question, but but really is how important is it for them to make it at the same time? How maybe disastrous would it be for them to miss the Olympics as well? Yeah, it's important, I think, just, you know, for the program itself to really pile everything together, like conversations you hear 
from Mike Bartlett, um, conversations I've had with Denise Dignard is like, mm-hmm. look, this is a point where, you know, they want to have, you know, as many rep- uh, many teams going as they can, senior men, senior women's, you know, yeah. women's 3x3, 3x3 looks strong too to go. They're going to try to have a men's team uh, qualify, but, you know, the senior men, senior women's and the women's 3x3 are kind of your top three that have been really uh, consistent, you know, senior men obviously in, the, in their World Cup. But, um, and then you look at the window, like, you know, if, if by chance they don't make it, Alex, like, you know, Natalie Achonwa may not play in the next four years. Like that's that's a lot, right? And um, she's sure. even hinted at she's even hinted at that. And where does that leave some of your other veterans, right? So, I think it's important, it's crucial in in a couple of situations. Um, disastrous. I don't think it sets uh, the women's team or or women's program back necessarily. Um, you want to have your your program there and competing, and I feel like. Um, they're right on the cusp of like if they have everyone healthy and, and and ready to go and playing at a high level, like this team could medal. It's realistic that they could medal. Um, the Olympics is, is a different grouping and different draw and small tournament. Thing. Small tournament. The U.S. lost. Uh, sorry, the U.S. lost to Belgium. Did they not in their side? Um, I thought they were losing to Belgium. Well, it was it was really lost. close. Yeah, yeah, it was really really close. Right, so. And the U.S. has a good team competing in that tournament. So, you know, if the senior women's national team for Canada basketball can be at the Olympics, like I said, healthy, playing at a high level, you know, they could realistically medal, right? And that would just be a great ending for probably some of the players on the team. Uh, you know, I don't know where, where they feel they're at uh, in their in their careers. Um, I wouldn't say it's disastrous because they've, they've been at the last three. Um, but... Yeah, and then and then you look at it just sets the the path to for this next group of really good players at the junior level, like a Silas Swords and who's already playing with them, and even some of your Division One players, Yvonne Edgem is with the team right now. Aaliyah Edwards is going to be there, uh, you know, when she's done college, and you know, it would just be a a moment for them to see right now in this year that okay, that the team is there, and then they would be key parts in the next four years for Los Angeles. Right. So like, let's hope, hopefully they make it and, you know, uh, make a mark at Paris. Yeah. I, I do think a little bit of this program is maybe just different eras right now that you have Kayla Alexander, um, obviously Natalie Chanwa, just players that have been stalwarts for this program that are probably in their last cycle Olympic cycle while you have, I guess you have nurse and and Carlton who are essentially in their primes. And then it feels like there's this big swath down to a bunch of nine, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds with Emma here, Aliyah Edwards, who isn't here at UConn. And then obviously Silas swords and other players like you interviewed Basco and, and others that are probably just a bit too young. They don't have a lot of, you know, players that are in their prime really outside of Carlton on this team that are impactful. And I think that's the thing you somewhat see is just that maybe the eras are one is, is turning to over and then another kind of crop of young talent are just probably not ready yet to, to make huge impacts. So I think you'll see this team in 2028 
which presumably they'd make the Olympics as well, would be quite different, but also maybe even better just because there's even more of a collection of talent uh, kind of in their prime. So I think they're coming to the heads right now in terms of their talent, and it's a bit more of a mix than they like. But at the same time, um, they still should make the Olympics with this team. They're, they're fifth in the world for a reason, as you alluded to, and uh, it'll be definitely different to, to see um, them not at the Olympics if they don't make it, but I still feel pretty confident in that. Is, is there anything else you, you want to say about just this team or any players that have really stood out to you? No, I mean, like, you know, to echo your point about, like, this cycle right now, like, this is why I think, you know, in these in these first two games of this tournament in Hungary, like, that's why Victor LaPena is putting a lot of minutes on his vets, right? Because he knows the moment is now and not just obviously in this tournament trying to get a win where it's come down to a win, like a needed win on Sunday against Japan. But he's, if he's looking, you know, in this next six months down to, to Paris, like it's going to be the vets and, and the big dogs and it's ride or, die, ride or die, right? So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of evident. And obviously Kia not being available is tough, but um, I think the program wanted to err on the side of caution right now with uh, this injury sustained uh, just prior to the tournament and training and, and rightfully so. Um, and you got to believe like if Kia felt like she could go, she would have been playing, right? So um, they got to be smart. And yeah, there is a bit of a gap right now, just maybe in terms of, uh, you know, experience and where, where the program is at and, um, you know, but that, that is something too, that I know Denise Dignard and others are, are aware of, but it's setting the program up for really the next 20 years. Cause if those of you who are listening that really don't know some of the players in that U19 group right now, um, you know, they finished third at the U19 world cup last summer, um, and beating Spain actually. And that was, you know, Sila having a monster game and, you know, you have Toby Fournier and Delaney Gibb and uh, you mentioned Jasmine Bosco, Cass Prosper. Like, there's some serious hoopers in this age group that, um, man, they're going to be awesome for the program, right? But uh, I think in the short term, just to really have this team at the Paris Olympics, like right now, it's it's the vets. Um, I feel like, you know, in the first two games, too, I felt like there was some situations where Naira Fields could have maybe uh, kind of asserted herself in in plays, and I don't know if it's just uh, I know she's kind of was coming off an injury too, but uh, yeah, they they just got to get it done and, and take over, and uh, you know because you know just supporting the program, you kind of want to see some of the vets go out in the right way, in a sense, and I just think a lot of us that follow the players, support the program, would just. You know, it would be tough to see, uh, you know, Natalie or or perhaps maybe even Kayla, you know, just this just be it, right, and not get that last opportunity. So, you know, it's a it's a deep group, and like I like I mentioned before, that that consistency and and commitment that has been there for cycle after cycle and tournaments and long travel and no questions asked, like I'm there, and even even as of late too on the coaching staff side, you know, Victor and his family live in Canada. They're there, they're training. Um, that's like a really cool thing that the women's side has had where the men have struggled with for obvious reasons, but the coaching staff has, has stayed the same. Um, 
you know, some programs don't have that luxury and Canada basketball has been fortunate for the senior women's national team to have that. Uh, so yeah, everybody tune in on Sunday, man. That's a big game and support the team and uh, they, they truly deserve it. Uh, they've done a lot for the program and, and the game. And it, it's nice to see the emphasis on them right now in this tournament on the broadcast conversations through media and, and podcasts and others. Cause uh, it's well-deserved. Yeah, no, you, you hit it right on the nail. I, I also want to just say like, it'd be so awesome to see that this program's made it to the Olympics for consecutive Olympics, right? That's yeah. like the first time in the, program's history so it would definitely be a benchmark that i know mike would obviously be very happy about but also that really shows where this program is is where it's come where it is it's a world power it should be at the olympics and what is just so awesome to see is that there is that next crop it's not even if let's say they don't make the olympics uh, they should have the talent to still be one of those um, teams that or or nations that consistently does well at world championships and uh, and does well and, and makes olympics so um even if it is a big blow and they don't make it i'm not too worried long term about this program because as you mentioned there's so many players and it's it's, it's also i want to just shout this out because i thought about this just while we were talking it's so cool to see uh the lineage and really siblings on both the men's and, and women's team obviously Talk about Kayla Alexander. Uh, I covered her her brother Kyle for for Canada. Meanwhile, uh, Yvonne Edgem, you know, sister of uh, Melvin, and then obviously Cass Prosper, Omax is and is playing for Dallas. So I, I just wanted to shout that out because there's how many countries have that type of lineage across the programs and across the men's and women's programs. So that's pretty cool too. And yeah, and uh, obviously the men are going to be there for the first time and. Let's make it like 2000 when you got into to basketball when both the men and women were at the Olympics. So that'd be pretty cool too. Uh, um, before before I let you know let us go on on this coverage and again everyone tune in. I'll be doing a postcast as well after uh, Canada plays uh, Japan on uh, on uh, Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of obviously you're very linked to the men's team and uh, obviously there was a Kelly Olenek trade to the Raptors, which I think we can maybe talk about because it does have some Canada basketball significance. So the floor is yours. Well, it's, it's I think it's awesome just for maybe a, a fan standpoint, whether, you know, I'm sure Kelly's thrilled to be there in, in Toronto. Um, you know, he was sort of the, the darling of the trade deadline. That was, he was like the main guy, consistent guy that was rumored to be probably dealt for, uh, you know, by Utah. And uh, I think a lot of us thought maybe, maybe going to a, a more of a contender, uh, but it's cool to see the Raptors, see his value, you know, the, the brass, the GM and, and Messiah have said, look, like there's value here with Kelly. Um, and, and, you know, and like, Kelly's made a lot of money in his career. He's had a dynamite career. If you look back to kind of get drafted and and, and being uh, a Celtic to start and uh, the opportunity in Miami and going to the finals. He had a big game in the finals for Miami in the bubble. Um, you know, I don't think Kelly's looking at this situation with any negative outlook. You know, he, he was uh, born and raised for a bit in Scarborough 
it's a homecoming before him and his family moved out to Kamloops. I mean, a lot of us know Kelly's story, right? And he just embraced it. And, uh, you know, selfishly, like, to be able to watch Kelly Olenek on every Raptors broadcast now, which is what I've enjoyed now, too, like watching the Raps with R.J. Barrett every night. And, you know, some of your coverage, some of the broadcasts in Canada aren't always getting the teams every night that you, you want to see. So now, you know, that's just cool, right? And, um, you know, I, I think I had posted on X.com about, like, you know, the Raptors, well, maybe they should have hired Jordy Fernandez back in the summer, yeah. right? And now you start seeing more Canadian guys there. Who knows? But, um, you know, I think Kelly's going to enjoy this, and uh, it just runs right into national team duties in the summer. And, like, no doubt he's going to be the captain of the Olympic team, like, again. And mm-hmm. uh, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, you know, I've just – Kelly's story and coming up at South Kamloops High School, Alex, and going to Gonzaga and working on his game, sitting a year out to get his body right and better and being, um, you know, a first-round draft pick. It's just really cool. You you look at the size and you think, well, yeah, seven-footer. Well, no, it took some work, you know, and he's developed his game. And there's lineage in the family, no question. But And, uh, and for those of you that – are listening and you don't know the city of Kamloops. Like I have uh, a lot of ties to that city. Um, spend a lot of time there. Mm. Like to have an NBA guy like Kelly and national team captain come out of Kamloops is it, pretty damn cool, man. So, mm. um, you know, it's, you know, and the, the, the trade deadline was kind of quiet. A lot of us thought that, but Kelly kind of stole the show in a sense. And to come back to, to Toronto and back to Canada is, it's cool, and I know he's going to love it. And I know that they play Houston tonight. He's available. Uh, yeah, I don't he's think he's going to play. He's going to Is play. he playing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Strange, our boy Strange uh, tweeted it. So I don't know. Maybe the, he plays 12 minutes or something, but it sounds like he'll play. Um, by the time this comes out, uh, you'll probably see that Kelly Olenek had 30-10-10. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, Yeah, I love it. Uh, no, I, just to go off your point, I mean, he was so – it was interesting with Canada because he was almost in the way the ultimate captain because he sacrificed time at the end of that tournament. He didn't play the end. He wasn't starting. He wasn't. He didn't play the end of those big games against uh, Spain to qualify them for the Olympics and then against um, the U.S. But he made big shots. He came in on off the bench, made a couple big threes, and you could tell that everyone really respected him. Um, obviously him and Dwight Powell have a great connection being part of the team for so long. And both of them, you could see crying after Canada made the Olympics. And I can still see Kelly Olenek on the bench against the USA getting so happy when, and, and smiling after they, they beat the stage, which I'm sure was for him and Powell, um, just a dream come true to, to do that at that stage. So, um, I think for Canada or for, for Canada, but also for the Raptors, he just brings a leadership leadership he brings some shooting um he's a legit seven footer i mean you don't play him as a center but if need be you have you can in, in in bursts and he's a good passer he's just a really good nba player and probably an even better fiba player so um shout out to him coming to toronto it sounds like he's probably going to get extended which is kind of cool and Moreover, what I think is just awesome is to see the Raptors leaning into the Canadian talent, right? I don't know how many, it's always hard to know the numbers, but there's about 20 Canadians in the NBA, by far the most out of any 
country outside of the States. And I think for a Raptors team that can't really get a lot of free agents, typically going to that, those Canadian players and saying, Hey, you get to play for your hometown team comes with a lot of sponsorship. Uh, you get watched all across the country. People, you know, look at Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry still have uh, ads here in Canada, even though they don't play for the team. So it, it's a good revenue draw. And, and also just, I think, All of them were Raptors fans essentially growing up. And I think as much as they get paid a lot of money and it's, uh, you know, it is a business at the same time, I think the child and, and the kid in them still gets giddy when they think about putting on the Raptors red. So um, I, I hope that's something to that continues. And also selfishly, I can say that I covered everyone on the Raptors if the Raptors become a mini team Canada. So Um, that's obviously cool for me, but, uh, overall, uh, really cool to see and excited to watch him later tonight. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be on my stationary bike, getting a sweat and, and watching Kelly Olenek, uh, not break a sweat on, on the court, but, uh, yeah, well, Maddie, anything else last, last words before, uh, I let you go. No, again, man, appreciate it. And, uh, I always enjoy our conversations and shout out to the Raptors Republic and, um, You know, anyone that listens to this and, and supports the Raptors Republic and listen, if you support us on uh, Canada Hoops, we truly appreciate yeah. that. And we appreciate the community so much. And, uh, you know, the, the game is going to rock Sunday morning against Japan. And uh, if you're listening to this prior, please watch the game and support our women. Uh, they truly deserve it. And, you know, the program is uh, in a really good spot and a lot of excitement building you know, for obvious and, and many reasons, but, uh, you know, lock in and, and watch and uh, get the vibes going. And uh, yeah, let's go. I do want to give you the floor because you alluded to your podcast just before briefly, just do you want to plug it and just maybe mention some of the people on the team that you've uh, had on your podcast? Oh, am I allowed to do that? I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah you're allowed to. You're allowed to. Uh, yeah, listen, Canada Hoops, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of really follow Canada basketball and the players, and we've been so fortunate to have incredible guests join us that, you know, play for the program at all levels. And as of late, uh, a lot of the women have joined us and supported us, and we truly, truly appreciate that. And um, they have incredible stories to share. Uh, yeah, just, you know, on this roster in Hungary, Alex, like, uh, obviously Kayla has joined us, Sila, Swords, uh, Emily Potter, a recent guest who I loved, uh, the conversation with her, she's from Winnipeg, uh, Shay Colley, who has shown a lot of love throughout her time and, uh, you know, has helped us connect to others and, you know, quick to, to show love all the time. Uh, Sammy Hill, Aislinn Koenig, uh, Yvonne Edgem, uh, Carly Clark, assistant coach. Um, yeah, super fortunate, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, just doing what we love and it's just great to see the community and, and connect with others. You know, it's been a long road for the program to build and build and build. And, you know, I feel privileged to have these conversations with everyone, uh, others like yourself and, uh, you know, everyone in media side It's just a, you know, it's an honor really. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. And, Yeah, let's just keep it going and, and support everybody. And, you know, the community is large sometimes, but then it's not. And that's a really cool thing to see. And uh, it's all because of the game and, and the people that love and enjoy it. And uh, 
Let's keep it going. Exactly. As Kelly Olenek said today about becoming a Toronto Raptor, I'm very happy to be here and I am very happy to be part of this community. So thanks so much, Maddie. Check out his uh, Canada Hoops podcast and uh, thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to you guys uh, on Sunday. Bye.